all the feels on this one. Because that's what the science says. Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of Real Everything. I'm all about loving the skin you're in and being healthy inside and out. Let's talk about what this looks like in real life. Facts do not have opinions. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne of thepaleomom.com. I believe that scientific literacy is the key to improving public health. Just don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. Science is true whether or not you believe in it. Self-love is really about self-respect and acceptance. Welcome to The Whole View, episode 490, the first show of 2020 for us. I can't recall if there was like a doodle-loot, doodle-loot, like before or after 2022 New Year's, but for us, we took uh, the holidays off. So we're back and I took my brain fuel bee juice. I'm, I'm ready to go <laughs> for 2022. I love that we are coming into 2022 with a really awesome question from a listener named Carrie. Last week, we talked about uh, shifting the focus of New Year's resolutions away from weight loss goals and why that's important and how we can think of, of New Year's resolutions instead in the context of developing healthy habits and kind of separating that from um, that sort of engagement with diet culture and that uh, guilt cycle that we we tend to get into that drives sort of yo-yo dieting and how harmful that can be for our health and how switching the sort of internal monologue when it comes to our day-to-day choices towards taking pride in just the good choices that we're making each day and separating that from vanity goals and instead taking a body positive approach is so much healthier, both physically and mentally. And then we got Carrie's question, which felt like the perfect follow-up to that conversation, because I think Carrie's question just takes that conversation and goes, yeah, but 2022, still a pandemic, Omicron surge, it's, it feels like a lot to even focus on that collection of, of healthy choices that we talked about last week. So I, I love this opportunity to, to continue the conversation from a, here's a list of things that are really important for health and what you and I try to prioritize in our day-to-day lives um, and how these are separate from weight loss goals and why that's important. And instead, let's, let's talk about giving ourselves some grace in a unprecedented time entering pretty soon the third, well, I guess technically we have entered the third year of a global pandemic, uh, or is it technically it has, it was, uh, announced as a pandemic, I guess in, I was going to say March, early March, right. In March. Um, yeah. Yeah, so the the virus had emerged emerged over two years ago, but it wasn't a global pandemic yet. But still, what I'm trying to say is uh, it's crazy times. So let's talk about what health looks like during crazy times because this isn't just relevant now for our listeners who are who are listening today as this episode you know posts live. Um, it's not just relevant for uh, the 
existential stress caused by living through a global pandemic and all of the different ways that makes life harder because it makes life harder in a lot of different ways. But it's relevant for just how life can do that on an individual basis, right? How things can just pile up, uh, how it can just feel like the universe just threw 17 curveballs in your direction. And now, you know, you're suddenly spread too thin. You're balancing way more than you intended. Um, you know, sometimes despite our best intentions, life gets away from us, right, in this sort of crazy way. And so I think Carrie's question gives us an opportunity to talk about health priorities in the in that context, right, beyond the the stressful times of the pandemic, but, but just stressful times in general, because stress does ebb and flow in our lives. And there's a lot of stressful events that can occur that we have no control over. So talking about that bigger picture of when things get crazy, what are the priorities, I think is a, a wonderful way to continue our conversation from last week. Agreed. And I think, I know we're going to kind of get into um, the different kinds of prioritizations, but the area that I always like to focus on first is giving yourself space to not be perfect. Um I know that this is something that both Sarah and I struggle with. And I know that there's mm -hmm. a lot of people out there that struggle with this concept of um, always striving to be the best and the perfect. And, you know, well, I know what I should be doing. And therefore, you know, I'm doing something wrong. And I'm going to beat myself up about that. Um, and that really starts a negative spiral of what we like to refer to here on the show as badness, um, right? Like you're in this stress cycle and and that creates a whole bunch of the opposite kind of habits as you want to develop associated with stress. So the first thing that we really need to do is just forgive ourselves and give ourselves some grace and know that, you know, one step is better than none at all. And, um, you know, I think the best example of that is when I said, you know, I wanted to quit coffee. And instead of saying, and I want to do this, 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 I said, I'm going to quit coffee, and I'm going to replace it with a smoothie. Like that was the that was the expectation that I set for myself. And everything else ended up falling into place over time. But I didn't, from the get go expect everything. So I think we just need to room and, and nothing is perfect. And that's okay. Like this morning, I had green tea, and there's some caffeine in that. That's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> I'm yeah. not beating myself up about that. Um, and I think that we all need to just remember that we're doing the best that we can with the information that we can, with the information that we have at the time that we have it. And we know, Sarah, you and I know so much more now about the toxicity of diet culture and, you know, the focus on weight that we both had years ago. And now we've learned from it. And, you know, it's a progress and we're moving in a different direction. Um, but that doesn't, you know, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. And we need to just give ourselves grace to like, learn these things um, as they come. So I just want to give everyone permission to breathe. And to say like, nobody in expects you to be perfect. And therefore, we need you to not expect yourself to be perfect. Because going into any sort of 
changing of habits. If you have that mindset of it must be perfect, I must be perfect, you're setting yourself up for failure. And what we're trying to do here is set you up for success. Because then if you have a small step of success, you are more likely to want to do the next step, right? We, we don't want you yeah. to feel like a failure. That's not going to be um, something that feels good. And I think that part of the uh, desire to kind of be perfect, right? To do all of the things as well as I can right now. I think that actually is really strongly rooted in diet culture. The sort of impatience for results is very much rooted in the, you know, lose 10 pounds in your first week type marketing for extreme weight loss diets, which again, we've talked about on the show before at length about how uh, weight loss doesn't actually improve health and the harm of weight stigma. And we'll, we'll link to those really epic long shows in the, the show notes. So you can go in and engage with that content because we're really trying to, to bust some of these very pervasive myths in health conscious communities about weight um, and what health actually looks like. But I think that in part, you know, what diet culture has taught us at a societal level over the last 50 years, say, is to expect, right, dramatic results really, really quickly. And it's it's reinforced with every um, before and after photo success stories. And one of the things that we talked about last week was trying to separate those types of desires from the things that actually matter for long-term health, right? And looking at whether it's resolutions or just, you know, working on change at any time of the year, we're thinking about it in terms of the habits that I want to form, the things that are good, healthy choices that I want to make without even thinking about it every single day and thinking about changing changing behavior so that the easy default, which is what a habit is, is the healthy thing. And that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. And that doesn't mean it's not going to, you know, take some commitment to working on and developing those habits. But I think that part of where we get into trouble and certainly, you know, we'll read Carrie's question uh, shortly. Um, but I, it's one of the things that I thought as I read Carrie's question was, um, was the idea that we have to do everything in order to get this quick result. And certainly, you know, if you're really, really sick, like, yeah, that's a different sort of motivation to make a lot of changes all at once, right? That that's a different situation. For most of us, it's going to be more beneficial for our entire lives to tackle change in a way that works for our personality, that works for how we make lasting change in our lives and work on making those diet and lifestyle changes sustainable and turn them into habits so that we continue to do them and look at the long game, right? It's going to be better for us to set ourselves up for success so that we can make better choices more of the time so that we can enjoy the cumulative impact that those better choices have on our health for the rest of our lives than it's going to be to do everything right for as long as we can grit our teeth and like 
force, you know, like willpower our way through it and then fall off the wagon, right? So that on the wagon, off the wagon cycle, I think is largely driven by how diet culture has taught us to do these really, really hard extreme diets for a short period of time in order to get these really fast results. And then we, Stacey, as your favorite phrase is, fall face first into a pizza buffet. <laughs> um, and, and I think that part of this conversation is also taking a step away from engaging with that, uh, that type of expectation for dramatic, rapid results, because that is also something that originates from diet culture, which is, again, driving yo-yo dieting and driving this shame cycle and really harming not just our physical health, but also our mental health. So we want to take a step back from that and really think about this in terms of lifelong habits that will serve us well. I think it's such a great point to relate this back to where this concept came from, right? Like it's, I think to take fully, not fully, because you fully articulated your point to further put an like exclamation point on your point. Um, I think it comes from this idea that if you aren't getting immediate results, it's therefore not working. And we know because we've talked about it with the science that that's wrong. And um, I mean, even before we talked about this, I heard from, for example, in Weight Watchers, like the goal is to lose weight slowly because then you have, um, a, you know, a, like a more likely chance of it being better for you or keeping it off or wherever they got that information. Right. And so they are trying to kind of taper that mindset in some sort of way. And I don't even know what the program is at WW anymore because they've changed their name and it was, you know, over a decade ago since I was there. But I, I do think that it's that culture of immediate results and being something you can see is something um, that I, I wholeheartedly uh could not agree with you more on. And as I've talked to doctors, like for example, my functional medicine practitioner, and even like the doctor that I was seeing, that's a regular physician. When I went in for my annual, um, for my 40th birthday, and my white blood cells were elevated, it wasn't like, well, we're going to check in two days, right? Like an immediate thing for your health. That was like, we're going to give you a couple of weeks to see maybe your body was fighting something and we'll check it again. Um, and I think that's the kind of mindset that we need to have about health in general is that like nothing that you're experiencing right now happened overnight for most people. Right. Of course, there are instances or traumas that occur. But I think, you know, we've had a lifestyle uh it's a life for a lifetime and it's going to take time to unwind that and the habits associated with it. This episode is sponsored by Wondrium, the place for everyone who has ever wondered about anything, which I had no idea about until recently. Sarah, have you seen all of the educational content in there? Okay, so I also did not know about Wondrium, and I logged in, and then 
got so excited and so geeked out. There was so many courses that I wanted to take and I just felt like a kid in a candy store. And I'm just, it's, I can't even contain my excitement. This is how did this not be a part of my life until now? Now it is like my favorite thing ever. (laughs) like 0% surprised by your enthusiasm. When I was going through and I saw the science stuff, I was like, oh, Sarah's going to lose her mind about this. Um, And I feel the same. I love all of the life skill type things and the business things. Like it's not just science and history. Like there's so much in there. So I've challenged everyone in our house to explore with wonder. I love what you did right there. (laughs) I'm curious, uh, which, which courses are you planning to take? So I myself have started How to Speak So People Want to Listen, which is like a book that has been in the back of my mind for a long time and I just haven't made time for. Um, I've lived most of my life being extremely direct and persuasive, like by bulldozing people, <laughs> but have been working on my soft skills as part of my journey to becoming the best version of myself. And I'm really excited to implement some of these ideas. Matt is all over the history. He listens to so many podcasts and YouTube already, but the Wondrium courses are like deep dives from college level type education detail on all the topics that he loves to learn. So his first choice is capital in the 21st century, which is something he's really gotten into of late. And I think the kids will choose like some of the life skills, there's crafting stuff in there and the science topics, of course. Um, I'm assuming that's what you're taking, but how about you guys? Yeah, I launched right into the science category and started the mind-blowing science course by Scientific American, which is now in its second season. And let me tell you, it hits every button for me. Again, how has this not been part of my life until now? I am so in love with Wondrium. And then I also started the Why Insects Matter course, which is part of Earth's Most Essential Species. Again, super nerding out over that. And then I also, I started perusing the mindfulness and cognitive behavioral therapy categories as well. I think I'm going to take one of, or maybe several of the Qigong classes. That's just fascinating for me and something that I've never done before and don't normally have access to in my normal day. There's, I mean, there's probably several hundred courses that I'm crazy excited to take. I, again, I'm I'm in I'm in my happy place. I love that we don't have to choose only one with the 22 day free trial that Wondrium is offering. Yes, as curious, learning minded podcast listeners, we know you're going to love Wondrium just like we do. And right now, our listeners get a special free 22 day trial offer to celebrate the new year. But you do need to sign up through our special URL. That's Wondrium.com/slash. Whole view. Again, that's W O N D R I U M dot com slash whole view and get your learning on today. So I think maybe we should probably get into the listener question now that we've been yammering for so long. Um, and then we can answer answer Carrie's question. Can you tell that this is like a passionate topic for the two of us? <laughs> for sure. I, yeah. The reason why um, the reason why I love Carrie's question is because it resonates so much with my internal monologue and my own health journey. So um, why don't I read Carrie's question and then we can 
take a transition from the broader sort of philosophical conversation around this and into some more nitty gritty. So Carrie writes, hi, Dr. Sarah and Stacy. I'm sure you get this question all the time and you may have already covered this, but I thought I would ask anyway. How do we make time for health these days? For those of us who are in the midst of figuring out this whole journey to health, these past two years feel like they have just been a huge derailment to any of the goals I wanted to achieve. When you are looking down a long list, food choices, sleep, exercise, supplements, self-care, knowing that you need all these things to come together, where or how do you even start? And stick with them. Just thinking about it causes me stress, and I know that stress has an impact on our health as well. How do you set priorities and keep habits? What gives us the most bang for our efforts? I would be so grateful for any tips or advice you have. Thanks to you both. I know the whys. I just really need a simple how to start with. Thank you, Carrie. Yes, I agree. Totally love this question and excited to jump in. So I I did mention this concept of like I started with one thing. I was going to replace coffee with a smoothie in the morning. And um, the reason that I chose that was because there would be more fruits and vegetables to replace that with. And it was something that I could tolerate by eating breakfast earlier. And that would then hopefully help my metabolism want to have uh, lunch and dinner at an earlier time, which would then reduce my interest in food late at night, which would then improve my sleep. So right, like by making that one choice, I was able to affect so many different things. And that's why I said, okay, but I'm not going to worry about telling myself to do all those things. I'm going to let them, the chips fall where they fall. I'm going to focus on replacing coffee with a smoothie. And so I think if you can look at your life and think about the things that Knowing all the things that you've heard us talk about for so long, um, what are the things that would have a big impact on you? For example, we already make a home-cooked meal for dinner every night that includes, you know, the kind of food and nourishment that we want to provide for the family. Um, so that's not something I'm going to think about. Um, you know what I'm like? And I... I already kind of know where my shortfalls are in other areas. And to me, it was more of a priority to kind of fix sleep, (laughs) fix my cortisol, which was really the root of my problem. So I think part of it is also when you pick that thing, understanding what your goal is. Is your goal, you know, not associated with weight? Because sometimes people create a goal and in the back of their mind, it's still about weight loss. So for example, like I want to work out five times a week. Is that coming from you feel good when you work out and you want that personal time for yourself um, and it brings you joy? Or is that coming from because I think that'll make me lose weight? So I think you need to figure out kind of what your goal really is. For me, mine was reducing my cortisol. And then what are the things that you can do to really focus on that from a health perspective. Um, and usually things fall into place, right, Sarah? I mean, I know yeah. from the sleep conversation, for example, right? Like we've talked about how many times all the things associated with better health that come from prioritizing sleep. Yeah. So I I think of this, if so let's, let's think about picking one thing to work on, right? So Carrie is overwhelmed thinking about all of the things and I think the the 
permission structure that I want to create with this episode is it's okay. In fact, it may even be preferable to just choose one thing. And what you alluded to, Stacey, is that sometimes that one thing can have a domino effect of goodness. Uh, I just made that phrase up and I kind of I think we've used it. I think we've used it before. It's it's the opposite of the snowball of goodness. There you go. Domino effect of goodness. I mean, they basically mean the same thing, right? Where one choice, like you substituting, instead of having your coffee in the morning, having breakfast, right? That one choice then then led to another good choice, another good choice, another good choice, because it helped you regulate your cortisol. So you were falling asleep better, right? So we've, and we've talked about this on the show recently. Again, we'll put a link um, to that previous show in the show notes. Um, but I think that that's sort of one way to look at the one thing you're going to focus on is a thing that is going to uh, either hold everything together, right? Keep the wheels on the cart, uh, or it's going to have this like domino effect. So I can sort of think of this as a domino effect, one thing, or a linchpin type one thing. So a thing that is going to kind of make all of the peripheral things that are not the focus still feel a little bit easier. And then I think there's also another way to think about it, which is um, focusing on one thing that is a like next step on a healing journey type thing. So depending on where you are in your own healing journey, what is the one thing that is the most important that is a new thing to sort of figure out? And it may not have a domino effect. It might just be one thing that's really, really important for your body to continue healing. But also I want to acknowledge that it is okay if your next step is like holding pattern. I have felt a lot like the last two years have been a holding pattern and that is a very common feeling and that's okay. I think it's okay if the one thing is just keeping the wheels on the cart and is just maintaining where we are now and it's, you know, just avoiding that slippery slope and snowball of badness effect, right? I think that's, that is a perfectly acceptable one thing to choose is just like holding on. And, and I think giving ourselves permission to plateau maybe is the right way to think about it. Like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna go in a straight line for a little while. And that's, that's fine. It's actually, there's a lot of um, value in taking some time to just sit in the good habits that you've been working on. We're just going to hold here for a little while. It actually gives time for those habits to cement a little bit and actually become even more automatic. And it gives some time for your body to, you know, like our bodies can continue to respond to good choices, even when we're not continuing to implement new better choices. It's like it, it really can be a beneficial thing to do to just give ourselves permission to just, Hey, I'm doing a lot of good things right now. I know there's some other things that I would love to work on, but right now I'm just going to give myself permission to just hang out here for a little while. And we're just going to do, we're just going to keep, keep doing these good things. We're not going to worry about the other things I feel like I would benefit from and we're just going to we're going to hang out here for a little while. We're going to we're going to just you know when airplanes do like circles of the of the airport waiting to land, right? It's we're just doing that. We're just doing that for a little while and then we'll we'll move on and 
one of the good things about doing that is having that time to really entrench those habits can sometimes mean that the next step doesn't feel as hard. It doesn't feel as overwhelming and it's okay. I, I just, I really want to give everyone permission to just hang out and, and keep doing what you're doing. And that's fine. That it's a, that's a valid choice. It's, it's okay to just say my goal right now is to not fall down a slippery slope that I know is going to undermine my health. That's a great goal. And I think one of the ways that you can feel good about that is thinking about the, all the things you are doing, right? Because if you are plateauing, so to speak, like what are you doing that you can feel really great about? And it, it doesn't have to be just food related or exercise related. Like there are so many other things that we've talked about that affect health. Like are you focused on relationships that you have with other people that you have healthy boundaries around that reduce your stress? Are you, you know, practicing self-care instead of just basic needs? Are you, you know, taking um, time to breathe or meditate, which by the way, Wondrium has uh, some really great classes on. Um, are you, you know, doing the things that contribute to your health that are not related to some of the other things that, you know, we could kind of focus on? And I think if you think to yourself, you know what, it's okay that I'm not doing XYZ because those voices are going to come into your head, but I should be doing this, but I should be doing that. And if you answer that voice with, it's okay that I'm not doing that right now because I'm focused on this, this, and this. Um, so for example, that was big for me over the last year as I focused on pouring into supporting a child who needed that level of my attention and effort and support, right? So I, a lot of things in my life fell to the wayside, for example, regularly going to water aerobics, which happened to only be three times a week at a certain time. And I would often miss because kiddo had needs that required me to be with her. And so I would tell myself, like, it's okay that I'm not doing that for myself right now, because I am doing this other thing that I am happy to do that doesn't just help someone else, but it also helps me to learn and grow. And like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna stick with that right now. Um, and so I think that's a, a great point, but I think it's, it's hard to implement that if you have those like negative voices coming into your head, like, but Sarah and Stacy said, I should have a consistent bedtime and I should have 30 vegetables a week and I should have blah, 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 blah. You know what? You have permission from us to not do all the things that we talk about. We're telling you what the science says is for optimal health. But I guarantee you there's not a single person in the world who does all things all the time perfectly. Yeah. I I mean, maybe there's one person. No, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, I think it's really important to focus on the positive, good choices that we're making. I think there's a lot more benefit to rewarding ourselves with that pat, like that 
internal pat on the back when we make a good choice. I think that's so much better for us than blaming ourselves or feeling guilty for a bad choice. And I think it's okay to let a suboptimal choice just, uh, we have a, a sort of mantra in our house that's like water off a, a duck's back, right? And like when a duck goes underwater and they come up, the water just flows off their, their back feathers and back into the water. And just think of it in terms of, yep, that wasn't a great choice. Oh, well, oh, that, how, what is that great good choice that I did make? Because I think that as, as humans, we are sort of hardwired to seek reward. So when we tell ourselves, good job, I went for that walk this morning, or good job that I had that extra half serving of vegetables with lunch or whatever, whatever is the the thing that required a little bit more intention or the thing even that's already a habit that required intention previously in your life, right? You can reward yourselves for the things that are still that have become easy that didn't used to be easy. You can take some time to feel gratitude and acknowledge what a great thing that is that you did that thing that used to be like really hard, right? And now it's not. And I think when we change that internal dialogue to giving ourselves a pat on the back for the good choice we make, it actually makes our brains want to do more of that good stuff, right? Because we're seeking reward. We can create a reward structure internally with our own internal dialogues by saying, hey, great job, Sarah, on doing this thing. And then and then I go, yeah, I did. I would have done that good thing. And then there's this like internal piece of me that wants to do the good thing more so that I can hear my own self say good thing. I know this sounds... <laughs> like very um, in inception-y, but it, it really like addressing the positive self-talk aspect of appreciating the things that we are doing that, that are good for our long-term health, I think is really, really important for um, being able to feel like it's not a overwhelming amount of things that we're doing, right? Breaking it into small individual choices that we can feel good about. All right. So let's run through. We know that we are the absolute worst at rapid fire, but mm -hmm. um, if we were just starting out, like if you were talking to a good friend and she was like, okay, I'm ready to make one change. What do you recommend, Sarah? So something that you already mentioned that I quickly then edited into this list because I was like, oh yeah, that is the <laughs> best first place to start is cooking at home. I think anything that we're going to make at home is going to be more nutritious. It's going to be more based on whole foods. It's going to contain less salt, healthier fats than anything we're going to get from takeout or even the deli counter or family restaurant, right? So just, you know, getting used to the the routine of cooking from home, I think is actually for someone just starting out, that that would be one of my number one things to consider, right? Like let's also just these are ideas. Consider these as your one step. Um think about what thing resonates with you. Think about what one thing feels like is the appropriate place for your focus right now because that is, I think, a great 
first step, but it's not the only possible first step for someone just starting out. I love that as a first step because like the sub coffee with breakfast was for me, then that allows you to roll in so many things as you're focused on just that one cooking from home. So for example, you could switch your cooking fat to olive oil, you could add in more vegetables, you could, you know, do all the things that we talk about in terms of Nutrivore guidelines in eating more seafood and adding a starchy vegetable, especially at dinner time. You know, like all of those kinds of things get to be rolled in, but you're just holding yourself to the standard of cooking from home, but they will naturally fall into place. So if you are already cooking from home, I would suggest thinking about those other things. Um, I, see, I see them on the list, so I know you think about them too. Um, but I would encourage you to, you know, have a goal of um, eating more vegetables. Like what is that goal for yourself? Because I do think that sometimes when we implement a habit, um, they can fall away pretty quickly. If you don't have like a, a standard by which you're saying like, this is, this is my goal. This is the habit that I'm going to create. And so for me, at least, eating more vegetables would be kind of nebulous. But if I said, I'm going to make sure that I have a minimum of, you know, seven servings of vegetables a day with a variety of 25 a week, because I know that this, the, the goal for optimal health is a little bit higher. Um, and I'll try to overachieve sometimes, but I'll hold myself to this as a measure to see how hard that is and how, how much can I do it consistently. And then, I'll look at if I want to level up or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I think it's even okay if step one is more, is smaller than that, right? Like um, I think about how much easier it is to take a small step to, versus a big step, right? So depending on where you are at, um, maybe it's just adding a half serving of vegetables per day compared to what you eat on average now, right? Just a half serving. That's a half cup of a vegetable raw. Uh, that that is that could be added to any meal of the day, or a, a sixth of a serving added to each meal of the day, right? Like it's just a tiny bit more. And then once that feels easy, okay, well now maybe it's a uh, now it's a full serving more per day compared to what I I used to eat. It's okay to even take something that, you know, we know the more vegetables we eat, the lower our risk of disease, period, chronic disease and infectious disease. We um, know that it's of all the different diet factors that have been studied, it is the most important thing that we can do. It's okay if we take a whole year to build up to that sort of optimal eight servings a day. Um, and, you know, studies show that every little bit up to that eight servings a day counts. And then that's after eight servings a day, you get diminishing returns. It's still, there's no kind of cap on how many vegetables are beneficial, but your first serving does a lot more good to improve your health outcomes on average than your 10th serving does. So that those little baby steps right now have really huge benefits to lifelong health. So 
every little bit counts and is, again, worth that internal little pat on the back. Um, the other thing that I like to tell people who are just starting out is, you know, we've talked uh, a lot on this show about sort of Nutrivore and what that kind of looks like in practice, right? It looks like um, a Nutrivore plate would have a serving of, you know, some seafood or meat. It would have some kind of starchy vegetable or other starchy whole food, maybe a couple of other different kinds of vegetables, everything cooked in healthy fats. Maybe there's some fruit, nuts and seeds in moderation, or maybe use them as condiments. Think about meals that you already make that look like that. Um, so for me, the meal that I made before, you know, I started making big diet changes over a little over a decade ago now, uh, was roast chicken, right? So roast chicken with roast vegetables was the meal that I made that was the most similar to my goal of how I wanted to cook, right? And it was really, really simple to change, change the seasonings and, you know, away we go. And it's also a meal that for me was, cause it was familiar. It was easy for me to cook it, it, and, you know, affordable. And so it was sort of the perfect meal to think about, okay, here's, here's the thing. That's how I want to eat. I already love this meal. I already make it all the time. Um, I'm going to make more of my meals look like this. So then it was switching out that, roast chicken for a pork roast or whatever it was, right? Or switching out the broccoli with asparagus or <laughs> green beans and thinking about it in terms of this thing I already like that is already familiar, that I already know how to make. And what can I do to swap out a piece of this to make it a different meal, but just make my meals look more like that. And for me, it meant that the the meal that, um, that would have maybe been the next day, right? Maybe spaghetti or something like that, that I just didn't make those kinds of meals as often, right? Like gradual change. And then when I did make the spaghetti, I thought about what I could make in place of the, you know, wheat-based noodles as I was discovering how sensitive I was to gluten um, that had more nutrition and that could take the, that place on my plate. So thinking about the one piece of that meal that I can swap out for healthier, more nutrient-dense choice, but also the meals that I already like that fit the goal that I can just make more of my meals look like that. This episode is sponsored by LinkedIn, the social media safe space for professionals that want to network. I think everyone knows I have limited my social media use to be for business purposes, but LinkedIn is an exception to that since it's already for business. I, I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> LinkedIn is huge for small business owners and people looking to grow their business connections. Whether in the corporate world or not, LinkedIn is a way to network with authenticity, learn more about people, learn from them, hire them, find job opportunities without having to endure the awkward small talk of in-person events. Hey now, not all small talk is awkward. For this introvertedness. <laughs> but I still do want to network, which LinkedIn is great for. I will say I recently hired for my team and searching for the right candidates can feel like you're taking time away from actually working and growing your business. LinkedIn jobs make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. 
Yep, you can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. I can see how that would be so great to be able to get recommendations of people you share connections with. Totally. And with simple tools to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire, it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash the whole view. That's linkedin.com slash the whole view to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. I think that where most people's minds start with um, what to do when they first start out is kind of what we used to focus on years ago and is worth mentioning because, as you just said, you learned that your body reacted to gluten by eliminating it. Mine as well. I remember when I first started with uh, the original paleo diet book. I knew that I was lactose intolerant, but I was like, well, they say to remove gluten, but I know I'm fine with gluten, so I'll be able to add that back in. And turns out um, I'm anaphylactic to gluten, and um, it's a really good thing that I learned that by eliminating it and then trying to bring it back in and understanding how my body was reacting in so many other ways to tell me that it was a problem for me. And you can only learn that by truly eliminating something and then understanding how your body's reacting. Yeah. And I think um, for a lot of people, eliminating um, a commonly problematic food like gluten can be that first step that actually makes the biggest difference, right? So if you are consuming something that you're overtly sensitive to that is causing inflammation in your body, maybe, you know, with gluten, it also has a very strong tendency to disrupt the gut microbiome and uh, cause increased intestinal permeability, which we colloquially refer to as leaky gut. Um, if you are having that reaction to gluten, which a large percentage of the population does have genes that predispose us to that reaction to gluten, then um, that might make a more noticeable difference in how you feel day to day than other things that could be your first step. So especially if you're coming to our podcast and our content from poor health and you're trying to figure out how to do all the things that we talked about last week, this might be a good first step for you. And it's also okay. I kind of like focusing on swaps, sort of like let the, let the good foods naturally displace the ones you're trying to eliminate. So if your roast chicken used to be, you know, served with a a dinner roll, maybe serve it with a sweet potato. Um, Right. So think about, think about the good food that can displace the bad food rather than just thinking about it like, oh, I don't get to eat that anymore. Or, you know, oh, you know, I used, I love those things, but it's, uh, you know, I miss it, right? Like instead of 
instead of thinking about it in terms of deprivation, think about it in terms of the delicious thing that you're going to eat instead. That is a great way to set yourself up for a really positive mindset in continuing steps towards health, right? Once this step is easy, you can pick a different step from this list uh, or pick a different step uh, that you know, right? Maybe your functional medicine doctor has recommended, right? There's, there's other places you can get great health information. So whatever your next step is, if you've set yourself up to have a really positive mindset in this first step, the second step and the third step and the fourth step, et cetera, are going to feel easier. That's a good reminder that, uh, we need to make sure you know that we are not medical professionals and not giving medical advice. All of this is based on what we've experienced in our personal life and also what the science says. Um, so definitely talk to a doctor if you're not sure and are coming from a place of, um, as Sarah said, poor health or you have a medical condition because they might be able to give a recommendation. I thought it was fantastic that um, I've heard more doctors, and I know mine mentioned this to me for the first time at a physical, asked me about my sleep. Yeah. Instead of just focusing on um, assuming or, you know, whatever about exercise, I think that's a question that commonly comes up, right? Like, and, oh gosh, do they love to talk about your weight? But this doctor in particular asked me about my sleep before anything else. And to me, this is like the number one thing that I know affects everything else that we've talked about. And therefore, any one change that I make, I try to make sure that it will have a positive effect on my sleep. So for example, you know, a lot of people uh, benefit from better sleep if they are outside getting sunlight during the day, like going for a walk in the middle of the day to get um, uh, fresh air and sunlight and exercise could also improve your sleep, right? So if you decided like, okay, I'm going to take one walk around my neighborhood, you know, four days a week or whatever. Um, but I think that we've learned and talked about the science so much about how important sleep is to health um, and that the mechanism and hormones that you have in your body from your circadian rhythm um, to adequate sleep being required for all the other functions that your body needs to be optimal health um, is the one area that I think that I would tell people to prioritize. Like if my friend came to me and said, okay, Stacy, like which food should I eliminate? I'm going to start with just like one thing first. I actually say to people, well, actually, I'd like you to get better sleep first, because if you're not getting adequate sleep, it's going to make it impossible for you to have, quote unquote, the willpower. Um, and I, I don't like that word associated with food, because I think it's part of diet culture to like make people feel negatively about not being able to do something, blah, blah, blah. But what I mean is, all of those are choices that you're making, right? If you think about it from the perspective of I can't have gluten versus I'm choosing to not have gluten, the choice is so much easier if you have adequate sleep. Um, so for me, that's the one that I tell people first and that I know I have to prioritize when my life starts becoming a little chaotic. It's the thing that's easy to slip by like, oh, let me just stay up a little later to get this thing done to the blah, blah, blah. Like, nope, I need to go back to my sleep. I need better sleep. 
Yeah, I agree completely. And I think that focusing on sleep first is especially important for anybody who has struggled to make other healthy choices in the past. Because as you mentioned, Stacey, it makes other choices feel so much easier in the day, right? It regulates hunger, it reduces cravings, it improves the stress response, it increases motivation to be active. Um, getting enough sleep makes us naturally gravitate towards more fresh fruits and vegetables and away from fast food. There's been studies that have shown that people buy less calories given the same amount of money in the grocery store uh, when they've gotten enough sleep compared to when they're sleep deprived. Um, there's a bunch of studies showing it improves cognition and working memory. It improves collaboration. Um, it's, it just has so many, it, this is definitely a domino of goodness type, uh, step to focus on because it makes other choices feel easy, natural, feel like the thing that I'm craving anyways. Um, and at the same time, as it's so important for health itself. So, um, you know, especially if you kind of feel like you're coming to this uh, New Year's wanting to focus on health and don't know where to start and want to pick one thing, but you've really struggled to stick to priorities in the past, whether they were informed by science or were more engaging with diet culture, that doesn't matter. If you've kind of done the the yo-yo roller coaster thing before, sleep is definitely a great choice for for first place to start, just because getting enough sleep has so many downstream benefits. I know that's really basic for a lot of our listeners to kind of hear us say, here are five simple things. Um, that's very unusual from us, but I really want to respect. Carrie's question, which is like, what is just a simple thing that I can do to start? And if you chose one of those things and saw a positive domino effect uh, to pull from Sarah's uh, new phrase, I think that is something to feel so, so good about going into the new year and just feel really proud of yourself for creating a sustainable habit that sets you up for success. And um, I know we often talk about the level up portion of these healthy lifestyle things on the show. And these are the things that you hear us talk about quite often, you know, things like um, the, the nitty gritty of how to tweak and improve. Um, and so that that all stands to reason, right? Like it's still absolutely part of um, how we can improve upon our health. But I think just these kind of basic starting out points are important to maybe remember for those of us that get caught up in the weeds of leveling up. Like, Sarah, I don't know how often you see this, but I know I hear this all the time where people are just like, really trying to tweak their diet to, to the point where it's stressing them out and they've reduced their nutrient opportunities so much and reducing so much food that a reminder of getting back to maybe it's time to just focus on your sleep, right? Like just kind of give yourself some grace on that, pause, plateau, whatever we want to call it, and just like, okay, now I'm going to I'm gonna just take some deep breaths 
and I'm going to prioritize my sleep, I think might be a good reminder for people. Absolutely. And I think too, when we're thinking about leveling up and again, you know, the, the level up next, next steps are the types of things that we talk about weekly on this show. So it, it doesn't, um, I don't think it serves this conversation to, to just list a bunch of possible things that you might want to work on given, uh, somebody who's in the middle of their health journey. Um, but you can think about that in terms of nutrients and lifestyle and, uh, you know, maybe starting the AIP, um, right working with a functional medicine specialist, doing therapy, those types of things are all excellent steps for leveling up. But I do want to challenge all of our listeners when thinking about a next step to add rather than subtract, right? So one of the things that we've talked about on the show before, but I think bears repeating is that one of the problems with the way Diets have been framed in terms of the things that you don't eat for, again, about 50 years, is that um, what the natural step is for troubleshooting, if you do a diet that is, uh, you know, low something, right, uh, or free something, right, grain-free or low-carb, um, and you have some positive things happen in terms of your health and some things that didn't improve or maybe got worse, the way that diet culture has framed diets in terms of the things that you don't eat on this diet, you don't eat carbs, you don't eat fat, you don't eat white things, right? You don't eat grains. Um, however, there, I mean, all, all diets almost are, are framed that way. What happens is when you go, okay, I need to keep, I need to keep going, right? I need to troubleshoot. The Intuition then is to eliminate more and eliminate more. And we're seeing the um, popularity of quite extreme diets come out of that trajectory, right? From I define this diet based on what I don't eat, I want more results, so I'm going to eat less things. And then I'm going to eat even less things, even less things, to the point where nutrient sufficiency, which is by far and away the most important quality of a health promoting diet is impossible to achieve because you've eliminated all food sources of specific nutrients. So instead of thinking about it in terms of I'm going to I'm going to cut out even more things, I'm going to cut out even more things. Um I mean by all means if you think there's something that you're reacting to, I highly encourage you to work with a functional medicine doctor to really hone in on whether or not that elimination is necessary. I encourage you, if you're thinking about the AIP, to jump in on my next session of the AIP lecture series. It starts Monday for anyone listening to this in real time. That is a great place to learn about the AIP with a positive framework. But that focusing on subtracting can really get us into trouble. And I encourage all of our listeners, if you're trying to figure out a sort of level up type, one thing to focus on for right now, I challenge you to think of what you can add to your diet or add to your life rather than what you can take away. Think about the good thing that you could engage with rather than um, going down this, this rabbit hole of cutting out more and more and more. Could not agree anymore. I want to just kind of recap for those of you who, I don't know, you were driving, 
you zoned out when we were talking, <laughs> who knows, um, that, you know, to, to go back to what are those kind of like examples of things that, that you can add um, versus subtract, right? Or the, the places to really, um, that the science supports having a significant impact on health if you're just going to make one choice to start. Um, I, I personally, and I see it at the top of Sarah's list, even though we mentioned it last, would start with sleep just because that makes anything easier that you're going to do that much better. And it might be something, like I said, a walk during the day that helps with sleep. Or for me, it was eliminating coffee that helped with sleep. Um, but to consider a habit that you can do, a choice that you can make that will positively improve um, your sleep habits, and it might be getting a new mattress, right? Like maybe yeah. it's not the the amount of time that you're sleeping. Maybe it's the quality of your sleep. Like there's so many different things that um, might not even have to do with you that you can make a choice for your sleep. And I just mentioned a, a daily walk movement um, could be an example of something that has a positive effect on so many other things, reducing stress, getting um, vitamin D from sunlight, like being able to then reset your circadian rhythm for improving your sleep quality. Um, so those things are, I think, not something that people talk about often enough as having a huge impact on your health. Daily movement, especially if you're a sedentary individual sitting at a desk all day as I am, um, you know, it's why Sarah and I have dogs, right? <laughs> like it gets yeah. us out and moving. Um and then we get into some of the more food stuff. So you'll notice like food is not at the top of um, the list at all times to think about your health. And I think that's where that diet culture mindset comes from, right? Like people associate health with not just weight, but with foods. And there's so much more that go into health. Yeah. And I think as we wrap up this conversation, bringing it back to the idea of picking one thing that could have a, a domino effect of goodness compared to um, just being the next, the next, you know, habit to form. I think thinking about things that are going to then, again, sort of impact other aspects of your life in a positive way is a is a really great way to sort of think about where that mental energy is is sort of best served for for focusing on one thing. So, you know, Stacy, again, you sort of mentioned just how many amazing benefits you had from that one choice of having breakfast instead of coffee in the morning. I would say I experienced something similar by getting a high energy Velcro dog um, because dogs thrive in routine. Um, having a dog has really helped me maintain a lot of routine, help maintain a bedtime routine. Uh, it's, you know, helps maintain the early morning routine. And so that early to bed, early to rise is something that my body really thrives in. We start every morning with a hike in nature that is, you know, unplugged. And then there's also, you know, having a, a silly dog who wants to be in the middle of everything. There's lots of cuddles and laughter that one thing, and it's, this is definitely not the one thing for everybody. It was a great one thing for me of, you know, getting this amazing, amazing high energy dog um, has had a lot of other domino of goodness effects in, in my life. And so, you know, I encourage also for our listeners to think outside the box a little bit. Maybe that one thing 
doesn't really necessarily fit on these lists. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought to put get a dog who needs uh, a very long walk every single morning and also needs to be trained and, you know, have a lot of attention as a, you know, normal recommendation for focusing on health. That's not something that I would have put on a list and nor would I continue to put on a list. It's obviously uh, not the right choice for everybody, but it's okay to sort of think about the the focus here in terms of again things that are going to have these domino effects that are going to impact more areas of your life for that one change and also yeah think creatively think about what a different kind of one change might look like absolutely I think that's a, a great point to end because I have nothing further to add. Um, couldn't agree more, but I just want to remind people of what uh, we said at the top of the show, which is that we we beg of you to be kind to yourself uh, because if you try to make one change and it doesn't work out, that's okay. Try something else. Uh, does not do you any good and is actually very detrimental to your health to think badly of yourself and your choices and um, to have shame or guilt. And those kinds of things don't benefit anyone. So do what you can, forgive yourself, be kind, have grace, and uh, try to set yourself up for success as often as you can. Have some reasonable expectations that are sustainable and know that, you know, it takes a while to form a habit and you are not expected to be perfect. You will make mistakes. We all do. And that is okay. Um, if you get overwhelmed, that's okay too. Find a partner to do something with. I think that's another thing that we, you know, didn't really talk about a lot because last week we talked about the high, but I, uh, the how to, but I think that, um, one of the things that Sarah and I both benefited from is we have a supportive partner. Um, if you don't have a supportive partner, you can certainly, you know, talk to a friend or a coworker or something. Um, find someone to implement a healthy habit with if you have a hard time holding yourself accountable, uh, because that can be really helpful as well. So hopefully we've given you a lot of <laughs> if, or a dog <laughs> to hold yourself yes. accountable. Um, hopefully we've given you um, some thoughts about where you might be able to make changes in your own life and to help you feel better about purchasing a new mattress if you need to. Um, and we will be talking about what we really think in our weekly follow on show over at the whole view patreon so that's patreon.com slash the whole view and there we do a weekly show every single week that's what weekly means stacy um my, my brain <laughs> jelly is, is uh going away um that uh, is for a community of people that we'd love to welcome you to. We have implemented um, new tiers here in the new year. And so if you visited before and it wasn't for you, maybe try again. It's a great way to support our show. Sarah and I um, prepare and record and produce and post these podcasts entirely between ourselves and um, in my case, my husband, <laughs> but also our teams. And so, you know, you support the work that we're doing by, you know, just $1 a month is like, you know, a high five um, or a cup of coffee a month or something like that um, is the price. And we are giving you 
great new content over there. We'll have um, something special every month, depending on, you know, what level you come in at. So definitely go check it out. New stuff in the new year. And we're excited to have you join our community. If that's not for you, no problem. Thank you for listening to the show. The best way you can support us other than the Patreon is to share about the show. If you feel like maybe you know someone in your life who's really struggling or beating themselves up or overwhelmed by choice, this would be a really great show to share with them um, or to share on social media or to... um, leave a review if you enjoyed the show. All of those things help us out and we appreciate you being here and listening so, so much. Thanks for listening and we'll be back next week. We love providing the Whole View podcast for you as a free resource. You can support the show by using the links and codes we share in our podcast. And we love to read your reviews and chats wherever you listen. And don't forget to share our podcast with your friends and family. Speaking of chat, did you know that you can get exclusive behind-the-scenes content on Patreon? When you support us with your Patreon membership, you get access to live Q&As and weekly bonus audio. But they're not for kids' ears because our bonus content is explicit. You can also stay in touch with us via our social media channels. I'm at Real Everything Blog. And I'm at The Paleo Mom. And we've got more great resources on our websites and in our newsletters. This is going to well first. Am I a robot? Am I a robot? Am I human? Uh, you sound human. (laughs) Okay, you sound (laughs) you sounded not sure about that. (laughs) Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.